Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. This is Jordan Goodman, your host of the Money Answer Show. Welcome. And my guest this hour is Sherry Olofsson. Uh, she is a attorney, uh, a real estate attorney. Uh, and she's the author of a new book called Financial Fresh Start, Your Five-Step Plan for Adopting and Prospering in a New Economy. Welcome to the show, Sherry. Good afternoon, Jordan. How are you? All righty. Uh, let's just give a little bit of your background before we get into the uh, content of your book. Tell me a little bit about your background. Sure, sure. Uh, I actually have an undergraduate degree in psychology, which I think applies to everything and I, I love, uh, and in journalism. And then I went to law school. Uh, and my background for the last 20 years has been uh, basically on the front line of the real estate and business industry, the boom and then the bust and then the uh, hopefully boom again. All right, so let's kind of take a broad view of why you did this book first, and then we'll get into all the different specific areas you have about how people can take advantage of the opportunities in the, uh, as you call it, the new economy. Sure, of of course. Let's take a big view here. What happened that led to the financial collapse of uh, 2008 and 2009? Well, that all started when folks on Main Street, mostly subprime borrowers, couldn't pay their mortgage loans. And I saw that on the horizon actually uh, at a mortgage default servicing conference out in San Diego in 2006. That's when I wrote my first book, which is called Foreclosure Nation. And those folks were saying that they were just inundated with phone calls and just couldn't respond, uh, which, as we know, in the last couple of years is what led to a lot of mistakes being made on some of these foreclosure files. Uh, after, after you know, the, the subprime crisis spread to everyone else, uh, that's when Washington got involved and stepped in and eventually wound up writing thousands of new rules and reforms designed to protect consumers, including the biggest, which is the Dodd-Frank Act, which we know is, is thousands of pages long. Uh, and that's really what Financial Fresh Start is about. Uh, as a lawyer and as someone who's very involved in Washington uh, and with regulatory and policy reform, I realize that we have all these tools that we've paid billions of dollars in our taxpayer money for, and yet folks, they're very difficult to access. I mean, they're confusing, they're complicated, and so I really just broke them down so that you can access them very easily in less time than it takes to do a load of laundry and uh, and whatever information you need. Do you think had these rules been into effect, before the housing bubble, that would have prevented the housing bubble in the first place? You know, I think that there are uh, a lot. First of all, the reality of mortgage finance, housing finance, really didn't keep up with, uh, exceeded the rules and the reforms and the, and the regulators. In other words, the way the mortgage industry involved, evolved with the secondary market, Jordan, and mortgages being sold instead of being kept in your banker's drawer, and the way we began doing business through the Internet to find our mortgage brokers and not our corner banker, you know, the rules and the regulators just didn't keep up with that. So some of them were necessary. You know, on the other hand, we've got a lot of reforms now that are going to be with us forever. So your servicers, for example, are required to have someone on staff starting at the end of this year 24-7, so you can call them anytime if you need to discuss a short sale or a modification. I had hoped that short sales and modifications, you know, a couple years from now would be a thing of the past. But we've really uh, indoctrinated them into our culture. And, and no, the answer is, you know, those good old-fashioned rules like be careful who you trust and don't read anything, don't sign anything you don't understand. And if it sounds too good, it probably, too, too good to be true, it probably is. Those are all the rules that would have really helped us, not all these new rules and reforms. Very good. Okay, we're going to get into this in great detail. We're going to take a break at the moment. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sherry Olofsson, whose new book is called Financial Fresh Start, 
your five-step plan for adapting and prospering in the new economy. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Shari Olofsson. Uh, she is the author of a new book called Financial Fresh Start, Your Five-Step Plan for Adapting and Prospering in the New Economy. Welcome back to the show, Shari. Thanks, Jordan. You talk about five different steps that people need to understand to kind of make the most of the current circumstance. Yes. And the first step is uh, banking and borrowing. So let's go into some of the specific areas. You say people should start with a self-assessment. What are some of the things they should assess about their own banking and borrowing situation first? Well, well, you know, it's funny because banking is one of those areas that, you know, for most of us, we go and we open a bank account, and we don't, especially now with online banking, which you have your payee set up and all that stuff, we don't really think about ever relooking at our banking services. But it's a recurring, you know, you're paying for banking on a recurring monthly basis. So it's no different than getting a haircut or anything else that you pay for over and over and over again, and those numbers can really add up. Now, under some of these new rules and reforms, banks have to do things differently, and they're incurring an estimated $20 billion a year trying to figure out how to follow all these new rules and reforms. They are businesses, so they have an obligation to their shareholders to pass those costs on to us. So now more than ever before, it's really important that you look at the banking services you're paying for because there's no such thing as free checking anymore. And you may be paying for services that you don't need over and over again every month. So what are some of the ways to avoid the bank fees uh, that are people paying for in many cases not really having to do so? Well, you've got to understand what your banking what your banking patterns are. So, for example, for someone who uses ATM machines a lot and can't is incurring all these ATM fees, it may make sense for you to bank with an internet bank because oftentimes they don't have their own ATM machines and they will absorb those ATM machine uh, those ATM machine fees for you. There's also other new overdraft rules. So under certain types of accounts, you actually have to opt in in order to have, in order to pay overdraft fees and have overdraft protection. 
But, for example, for pre-authorized electronic charges or for reoccurring debit card purchases, you can get charged those overdraft fees now, which are even higher than they were before, even if you don't opt in. So you really just need to take a few minutes and think about what kind of banking services do I really need, what are my banking patterns, and what am I getting charged for? If you don't opt in for overdraft fees, then checks will start bouncing. Is that right? Well, it depends on the kind of account that you have. Uh, but ironically, there was a survey done about six weeks ago, and one of the things they found is that oftentimes, even when you don't opt in, many banks are still covering your overdraft fees. They're just not charging you the fee for doing it. Uh-huh. And then you also say to get rewards. What are some of the best way to get rewards in your banking relationships? Well, you know, rewards and, and loyalty points are a, tr- a slippery slope because we just assume that those are going to be beneficial for us. But the truth is that companies that are offering loyalty rewards and, and programs like that are doing it to make money. They're not doing it to lose money. And so one of the tips that everyone should be doing and everyone should be on, on track with by now is to set up a separate email address anytime you sign up for some kind of discount or something like that because one of the tricks they do is they send you emails and they try to target you to get you to actually spend more even though you're getting discounts. So that way you'll know that the emails that come to that particular email address are your loyalty and reward companies trying to be a little sneaky with you. You also say you should try to navigate the shrinking low-cost loan and credit availability. What has been the kind of situation of uh, availability of credit since the crisis? I mean, it was very tight at that time, but things have gotten a little bit easier now, haven't they? Well, to, to some extent, yeah, particularly for people who have a down payment and people who have good credit. But here's the thing. Uh, there are now new, like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, for example, charge what's called G fees to the investors who guarantee their loans. They're now starting to implement different G fees based on the state where you live. So if you live in Florida, for example, where Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac incurred high losses for foreclosures, the guarantee fees in those states are going to be higher. So it makes sense if you're thinking about buying or refinancing to try to beat those things kicking in because they're going to be looking to recover their losses. The same thing goes true with FHA. FHA uh, uh, insurance premiums are going up. Not only the premiums that you pay at the time that you actually close on your home, but those ongoing monthly premiums in some cases will be due for the whole entire time you own your home as opposed to until you pay down your loan to, it used to be about 78% of the loan-to-value ratio, you could ask to have the mortgage insurance waived. That's not going to be the case anymore. So how do you beat that? You said you should beat these fees, both the the G fees and the mortgage. How do you beat it? There's there's only so much you can do, but for folks who are thinking about buying anytime in the near future, a lot of these new rules go into effect at the end of this year. So if you're thinking about buying, now maybe, and you have an idea of where you want to be and you can find a good deal, now may be the time to do that because... Here's the thing. On these big purchases that we make, we tend to focus on the house, not the home loan. We tend to focus on our car, for example, not the car loan. And and most dealers, and we cover this actually also in in, uh, Chapter 1 on banking and borrowing, most car dealers make the most of their money when you walk into that room with the finance guy. After you think you've already negotiated your deal, you've done your work, and they're they're just getting started. So the idea is to really focus more on the loan for your home, and when you find the home you want, try to buy it now before a lot of these things kick in. And one of the things you talk about is the high-cost mortgage. I guess it used to be called predatory loans or something like that. Uh, What can people do to avoid being taken by high-cost loans based on the new regulations? 
Yeah, well, the banker that you bank with is, is very important. If you're, if you're not getting your answers, your questions answered, then, you know, you need to move on. But the other thing that's coming up, Jordan, is uh, within the next year will be implemented new rules called Qualified Mortgage and Qualified Residential Mortgage Rules under Dodd-Frank. And those rules actually require banks, essentially, to make certain types of loans that are not these high-risk loans, meaning that as those rules kick into effect, it will be more and more difficult to even find these higher-risk loans, uh, and, you know, for, for more subprime-type borrowers. So it's gonna be, it's gonna get difficult for folks in that kind of situation. I mean, the, the goal, I think, is to find some kind of balance so that we're not giving loans to people who are high credit risk or don't have a high, a very low down payment. But, you know, the National Association of Realtors did a study, for example, and they found that for an average family to come up with a 20% down payment would take about 14 years. So we've really gotta find that balance. So how do we do that? I mean, you're saying that a lot of the people who in the past would have gotten these high-cost loans or what would be called predatory loans really shouldn't have gotten a house in the first place. So it sounds like you're saying it's actually a good thing because you won't run into problems, but it's also shrinking the number of potential buyers for homes if fewer people can get mortgages. Yeah, you know, the how, what's going on in home ownership right now is really interesting. I mean, we know that there are millions more renter households now because folks have lost their homes and they need to get their credit rebuilt and they need, need to rebuild the down payment. Uh, and frankly, some folks are afraid of buying because of what happened in the housing market. On the other hand, we know that rents are going through the roof, that rents are going up even faster than home values are going up, but we know that incomes are not going up. So both of those at some point are going to be unsustainable. Uh, but, you know, the other thing that folks can be doing right now if they're thinking about buying and, and they want to really try to expedite that and maybe meet, beat some of these new rules that are going to increase the cost is to focus on their credit score because we know that during the bubble, 120% of your annual income was the average amount that people were spending, 20% more than what they were making, uh, which just made it impossible to, uh, you know, to keep a good credit score for a lot of folks. So there are a lot of things under... Um, you know, the new credit rules that Congress had passed, including being able to get your credit report for free once a year at annualcreditreport.com, and yet we know only about 22% of Americans are doing that. So one of the things I think everyone should do when you do your tax returns every year is pull your credit report. And, uh, you know, in the book we talked, step number two is to deal with your credit and your debt because that low credit score is costing you money every single month. We know there was an FTC report. One in five of our credit reports has mistakes. It's costing us money, and most people don't even know it. So what's a good way to monitor your credit report and get errors off there to get your score up as much as possible? Well, to get to pull that credit report, you go to www.annualcreditreport.com, and it's free once a year. Uh, in the book, we go through things that you should be concerned about, things you shouldn't be concerned about, and how to get that credit score up. Uh, also, for ongoing expenses, under the new Credit Card Accountability, Responsibility, and Disclosure Act, uh, we now know that, for example, you know, the banks can't increase your interest rate like they used to unless you miss two payments in a row. So, you know, the, the goal is to be sure that you don't miss two payments in a row, and they've got to send you at least 45 days' notice. There's a lot of mail that we're all getting that we never used to get before because all the financial companies have to give us all kinds of foreclosures, and I've heard from a lot of folks that they're just not opening that mail, including sometimes checks from the bank for settlements and things like that. Uh, and so that's the other suggestion is save it all up and just go through it once a month and open it to make sure you're not missing anything that's important. What has been the effect of these rules on the, the card act particularly 
on uh, the availability and the price of credit for consumers? That's an interesting, it's a really interesting question. Uh, there have been some pros and there have been some cons, but, you know, eventually water seeks its, its own level. And so, you know, the financial companies are figuring out ways to, I, I'm not going to say get around, but they're figuring out where they can still make mo- their money. I mean, here's the bottom line that we all have to remember, and this isn't a blame game, but, you know, banks, credit card companies, these are all businesses, and they have obligations to make money. And so when they are no longer allowed to charge a certain fee, they're going to look for other places where they can make up that money. And that that is, in fact, what they've been doing. We've seen less, for example, in uh, – in, in, you know, certain types of fees, the late fees, for example. But on the other hand, we're seeing higher costs in other fees, like the, the cost to transfer your balance or consolidate balances. Those costs have gone up. Uh, one of the things we're finding, though, is that there's a lot of really good information in that credit card statement now because the Card Act legally requires it now. Like, for example, your credit card statements have to have a number that shows you how long it will take you to pay off your balance in three years, which is a great tool. And yet we're finding that over 70% of uh, credit card users still don't read their statement. So, you know, that's really what the book is about is everyone's in a different financial situation, but we all want to make our financial situation better. And these five steps are steps that apply to everyone, whether you're struggling or whether, you know, you're living carefree. And it's written in a menu style so that you can pick and choose the information that you really need to know. You know, the other big issue folks are grappling with is is home ownership in general. Is it worth owning or should I just rent? Yes, indeed. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sherry Olofsson. Uh, She is the author of a new book called Financial Fresh Start, Your Five-Step Plan for Adapting and Prospering in the New Economy. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Shari Olofsson, uh, the author of a new book called Financial Fresh Start, 
your five-step plan for adapting and prospering in the new economy. Welcome back to the show, Sherry. Thanks, Jordan. One of the areas that has changed is student loans. So basically tell us some of the changes in student loans, not only related to Dodd-Frank, but also the Health Care Act was changed, and what are some of the new things people need to know in getting student loans? Sure, and that is actually an area that's continuing to evolve. Uh, I think the most helpful tool that has come out is through the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and that is the Know Before You Owe tool, and that can be found at cfpb.gov. Uh, that allows you to actually, really for the first time ever, accurately compare uh, the cost of going to one school versus another, which is super important because there are so many hidden costs there. And I can tell you, uh, my, my daughter was just accepted to college, and we're getting ready to send her off next year, and that can be a really complicated process. But the real problem we're having with student loans, of course, is that the cost of going to college has increased eightfold over the last decade, and yet the uh, resources that average families used to pay for those costs have disappeared because primarily that was home equity. So we've got a situation where 95% of the students who are going to college now are getting some kind of financial aid or help. Uh, and, you know, you think if you're a retired American, for example, well, that doesn't have anything to do with me. I don't have kids. But it does because one of the big phenomenons is, unfortunately, we're seeing kids getting out of school now saddled with the student loan debt, which we know has hit record highs, uh, unable to get jobs, and they're not able to get into housing, they're not able to begin saving, all of those things that enable them to not need help from us. There's this particular new program called the Income-Based Repayment Program. Explain how that works. Well, there's actually several new programs. That's one of them. But one of the things that they're trying to do now is enable students who are not in a situation with uh you know, if they're not able to get their their income going right away, where they'll be able to pay. So instead of um, calculating eligibility just based on the balance of the student loan when they begin repaying it, the government's starting to use either the higher of the original student loan balance or the current balance. So it's basically ma- making it a lot easier for folks to kind of get ahead and not be saddled with the student debt forever. You think it's good to be in this IBR program if you can. As I understand that if you're in there and you pay on time for 10 years and you meet certain criteria, you can have the rest of your student loans forgiven completely. You think that's a good idea? Uh, I think that's a good idea. You know, unfortunately, you're never going to have a situation where no one's sort of figuring out ways to take advantage of the circumstance. I mean, we basically, with these new student loans in particular, we have to create a a finite number of buckets to put the students into. Um, And I I actually think they've done a pretty good job so far. But, again, a lot of these are still in development. There's still changes going on when it comes to student loans. Another area you talk about is small business loans. How have things changed, and what is the best way to get a small business loan in today's environment? Well, the biggest thing that happened with small business loans when uh, the market overall tanked is banks froze those lines of credit, and that really created a lot of hardship for smaller smaller businesses because they live on those lines of credit. And, and I'm talking carte blanche for, for certain industries altogether, for certain size loans. So even if your loan was performing and you were paying on time, uh, we had lots of instances where the banks were calling those loans and literally putting folks, businesses that were doing well, out of business. Uh, so I think we're back when it comes to small business loans. And, of course, the SBA really – didn't keep up with what they needed to do to keep, to meet that demand. They're they're sort of back in the saddle again, uh, funding some of those loans again. But 
I think that the best thing to do is go back to an old-fashioned model, and building a relationship with your banker is super, super, super important. And not just some guy that your buddy knows and introduces you to, uh, but, you know, we go through in Financial Fresh Start why it's so important to find the right bank and banker and some of those uh, the tips that you can use and ways to be a little flexible. So, you know, if you're not able to get the, the amount of the loan you want now, start with something smaller, prove that you're worthy of it, and go back in six months again for more. One of the areas you talk about is micro-lending. Describe what that is and when is a micro-loan better than a traditional small business loan? Well, particularly for, for smaller loans, uh, the Internet has really enabled uh, investors. We used to call them angel investors, but you know now they come in all shapes and sizes, and, uh, and folks who need the loans. And so there are several websites now where you can go for micro-funding. Uh, one of the things I also love, because and this is more for investors, because uh, if you're not getting great returns on your investment, uh, are some of the microfinance sites available to fund uh, small businesses around the world where it's really difficult for them to get financing. Um, Kiva is one of them, but there are several. I've actually invested several myself, uh, and it's wonderful. You can make investments as small as $25, and you get returns anywhere from 3 to 5%. There's like a 95% repayment rate. Uh, and you're also doing good with your money. But small business owners can seek out some of the same types of websites online now, too, as well. Uh, and it's a growing, growing industry. There's, there's about $150 million last year that was distributed to small businesses that way. What are some of the other websites people can find out about uh, micro-lending? You know what? I don't remember the other ones off the top of my head, but if you go to SherryOlifson.com, uh, we do have those listed on the website. It's S-H-A-R-I-O-L-E-F-S-O-N.com. Uh, and I don't want to give you the wrong names because there are some. You do need to be careful in this, in this particular world. Uh, but we've also got two or three of the resources online that actually vet these investment sites that can help you to make sure that you don't find the wrong ones. But they do have some similar names, so you have to be careful. Is there a website related to the book specifically to follow up on some of the ideas you have in the book? Yeah, that's SherryOlipson.com, and the book can be purchased there as well as on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. There's also a newsletter where we uh, actually send out once a week, so folks can really stay up to speed with what's happening in the world uh, in these five areas, the five steps. And we design it so that you can read that literally in less than a minute. Know what went on in the week before. Uh, and if anyone has a question for me directly, they can reach me on the website as well. Okay, let's talk about foreclosure, which is an area I guess you've dealt with a lot. How have the foreclosure rules changed, and what kind of programs are out there to help people to avoid foreclosure? The foreclosures are, foreclosure rules are still a work in progress. I think that the, the most significant foreclosure alternative bundle was the Making Home Affordable package, which came, which came out from the Obama administration a few years ago. Uh, and the primary sources under there are the modification, which is the HAMP modification, uh, the refinance, which is the HARP refinance, and then, of course, uh, some of changes made in HARP. They then called it HARP 2.0. And uh, and forbearance agreements you can get under that as well. Now there are principal uh, write-downs that are available on that. Uh, those mostly only apply if your loan is owned or insured by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Uh, but most of the larger lenders also implemented their own programs. I think the biggest change happened, though, with these settlements, the RoboSigner and the OCC settlements, uh, because even though a lot of the banks and servicers were doing these foreclosure alternatives, I'm not sure how serious they were taking it. 
Uh, and now under these settlements, they're actually required, there's, there are dollar amounts that they're required to, um, to provide to borrowers. So, you know, for example, under the OCC settlement, I think it's, uh, like $5.7 billion worth of either short sales or modifications or principal write downs. And so the banks have an incentive to meet those thresholds. The one thing I tell everybody, if you tried to get some help a couple years ago and it didn't happen and you still own your home, try again because the rules of the game have changed. So if you're in that situation, you're kind of heading towards foreclosure, how do you know what the right thing to do? Should you do a HARP? Should you do a HAMP? Uh, should you do a short sale? You know, what, well, what, Jordan, what is the best the way first, to navigate all this? Yeah, the first, the first thing you have to ask yourself, Jordan, is can I realistically can I afford this house? Because I've seen so many people lose their home to foreclosure because they should have done a short sale. If they had been realistic, they would have known that you know there really is no such thing as a free ride. They weren't the bank wasn't going to just forgive their principal. They you know they they were never going to be able to afford to live in that home, and they really should have just you know worked out a way to sell it and moved on. Uh, so the first thing is to really get real and decide you know even with a little bit of help, am I, can I really afford to live in this home? If the answer is yes, then you go to your bank and you show them your income and you show them how you can make a, a payment if they adjust the interest rate a little. Uh, and, and in many cases, they're doing that or write down the principal. It's really helpful for people if you just go online and you can go to independentforeclosurereview.com or nationalmortgagesettlement.com and find out if your bank or servicer is one of the ones involved in these settlements, these two settlements. Uh, if so, you're in luck. And, uh, you know, take it from there if 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 you want to stay in the home and you think you can afford it then try to get a modification if not and you need to move on uh i tell people that the the sooner you move on the better the sooner you move on the sooner you can start rebuilding again you have a whole section in the book as well on the fair debt collection practices act how has that mm-hmm. changed and if you're being hounded by collectors really abusing you uh, what kind of defense do you have for that well you know there are steps that people can take and and you know unfortunately the debt collection business has grown. There's about $150 billion in collections right now. Uh, and collections fraud has actually grown. I mean, there are companies out there that are buying stale debt, debt that, you know, they no longer have the legal right to try to collect and basically harassing people, trying to shake them down uh, to get them to pay. So, you know, we talk about in Chapter 2 and Step 2, how, if you're getting calls from one of these collections firms, the steps you can take to protect yourself. You can ask them to send you a validation notice. They're not allowed to call you after that until they provide that. Uh, and then the steps you can take if you believe that it's not your debt. You also talk about the fresh start after bankruptcy. But if you are being pushed out of your home and having all these debts, when is bankruptcy appropriate and when is it not in light of the new rules? Well, if there's no way that you're going to be able to meet your obligations on an ongoing basis, then bankruptcy makes a lot of sense. You know, the problem is that a lot of people think or used to think that they could rack up debt and then just file bankruptcy and it would be over with. But filing bankruptcy, I mean, you're really under a microscope when you file bankruptcy, uh, and you can be accused of fraudulent transfers if you try to transfer assets out of your name. Uh, so it's it's not something that is to be taken lightly. It's really sort of a last resort. There are so many different situations, Jordan, and, and so many different circumstances people are under, but we do give uh, a handful of tips that we felt apply to most people, including, you know, if you're going to file, should your spouse file, uh, tips on also selecting a bankruptcy attorney. In fact, after the five steps, there's a whole chapter on how to get professional help without getting taken because there are so many stories you hear of people who have, 
you know, tough circumstances and they jump from the frying pan into the fire by hiring, for example, an attorney or a debt counselor or a mortgage broker who gives them bad advice. How many times have we all heard of someone who was professionally advised to stop paying their mortgage? And lo and behold, they end up in foreclosure. They ended up losing their home, and they didn't have to. So we do dedicate a whole a whole chapter to that, including how to review your legal bills and how to uh, you know how to negotiate a retainer agreement with a financial advisor, all of those types of things. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sherry Olofsson. She's the author of a new book called Financial Fresh Start: Your Five Step Plan for Adapting and Prospering in the New Economy. We'll be back after this. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Shari Olofsson. Uh, she's got a new book out called Financial Fresh Start, Your Five-Step Plan for Adapting and Prospering in the New Economy. Welcome back to the show, Shari. Thank you, Jordan. So we want to talk about the investing and saving uh, environment. Uh, kind of what changed psychologically when the markets and the economy took such a big hit in 2008, and what have been the reverberations since then? Well, you know, the biggest issue is that uh, we saw a huge increase in sort of the income disparity or the wealth disparity in this country. And part of that has to do with the fact that folks who, uh, you know, have larger uh, – 
wealth holdings in general tend to hold more of their wealth in uh, stocks and bonds and other financial instruments. But folks who have, you know, for example, less than five hundred thousand dollars in in net worth. Uh, you know, only a very small percentage of their net worth is made up of anything other than their home equity. So the problem was, you know, we had the S&P rose something like 35% at the same time that home values decreased by about 5%. So that became, you know, a huge spread. And the folks at the lower end, you know, eventually were living off of anything other than their home equity. So a lot of people are still in a lot of fear, even though the market's dropped Four years ago now, it's been, it's been quite a while, um, and they still keep a lot of money in cash, earning pretty much nothing. What, what do you advise for people who are still in that kind of state of fear about getting into the market now that it's up so much? Well, and you know, part of a big part of that I don't need to tell you is coming from uncertainty in Washington and and just a lack of understanding in terms of what direction a lot of these rules will take, uh, particularly with tax reform now on the horizon and the deficit. And I frankly, I don't think that's going to work itself out until we figure out exactly what's going to happen with the budget and the deficit. Uh, in terms of average folks, though, the lowest lying fruit is, is actually the easiest, which is those 401k and retirement accounts. And one of the reasons for that is that so many folks cash those out in part because of employment. I mean, people nowadays are changing jobs every three to five years. It used to be, you know, every 10 to 12 years. And one of the things we see that happens is when folks change jobs, oftentimes they don't roll over those retirement accounts, especially during the last couple of years. They've been cashing them out and just not opening them again. So for average folks, the the best thing to do in terms of uh, savings and retirement still right now is to is to fund. They're not. They're just not funding those accounts. To, they're not taking maximum advantage of them. One, one of the things you're saying is people should start to prepare for rising interest rates. That certainly hasn't been happening lately. If anything, rates have been falling recently. Why are you saying people should prepare for rising interest rates, and how should they do it? Well, they can't go down a whole lot more. So you know, from from everything I hear, we're, we'll see rates comparably, you know, low, not not really going through the roof, at least for the next year or so, but eventually the rates will go up again. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that uh, we're seeing folks hold off on a lot of long-term investing, uh, you know, to look at company growth that benefit from some of those rising rates that may make a lot of sense. But, you know, again, the whole concept for for wealthier folks who have time and are more sophisticated, navigating financial investments makes a lot of sense. But for most Americans, you know, the extent of their financial instrument investing is going to be indirect through a 401k or an IRA, through mutual funds and those types of things, simply because they don't have the time and, and the sophistication level to, to do that. Uh, and, and I don't see that changing any time for a while. You also talk about pension plans and say that there are new rules and reforms there and that it's kind of hurting public pension plans. What should people expect as far as their pension plans? Well, you know, part of the problem we had with pension plans um, during the, the boom and the bust is that uh, the public plans were counting on at least a 5% return. A lot of the private plans counted on at least an 8% return, and, of course, they didn't get that for years and years. Uh, and we know from a lot of the municipalities that they're significantly underfunded. Um, I think for average folks, the, you know, the world is just different now, and I think 
you know, a lot of us saw that with AIG and some of the bigger companies. A lot, you know, anyone who worked for a bank probably lost everything that they had in their in their retirement account with the bank if that bank was taken over by the FDIC or merged. And so I think the, the, the takeaway for most of us is you want to also just have a plan B. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and be counting on a pension plan being there because you just never know what's going to happen. I'll never forget when uh, Daniel Mudd, who was uh, a former head of Fannie Mae, was being interviewed on NPR after all of this happened. And I think it was Diane Reams asked him, uh, well, what happens if it ends up that there was fraud in these files and yada, yada, yada? And his answer was, well, we have insurance against that. And I just about fell off my chair because that was right after AIG had crashed and having insurance really meant very little. And so I think, you know, a lot of the takeaway for average folks is just that making sure that you have a plan B, even a plan C, and just are as independent as possible and in control, not counting on your pension plan, uh, is an important takeaway. Um, as far as the financial rules go, uh, the biggest impacts have been for financial advisors who now need to specify, uh, you know, the standard of care they have, whether, you know, they're living up to a fiduciary standard or not. Uh, and again, that boils down to reading your statements. But I'll tell you, I just opened a new account with a big uh, brokerage, and the mail I'm getting, Jordan, is unbelievable. I mean, I'm easily getting three or four pieces of mail. You know, all these new legal, all these new rules and reforms that Financial Fresh Start is all about, they got to send me a letter for every one of them. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you say is that people have pitfalls in, in uh, planning for retirement. What are some of the most common retirement planning pitfalls? Well, you know, one of the things that we see people do, which is really unfortunate, but you can understand why, is uh, is helping their kids a lot because, you know, frankly, uh, you know, it's it's hard for young people nowadays. I was sitting next to someone at dinner the other night, and they were talking about their daughter and their new grandson, who was not there, uh, and the, the kid's three years old and needs help. You know, needs it's twelve thousand dollars a year to put him through school. So, you know, that's a big problem is, uh, you know, worrying about their kids. Missing out on tax opportunities is another biggie. Uh, and then, but probably the biggest is underestimating the cost of health care and long-term care because we just tend to not realize how expensive that is. Uh, you know, an average couple needs to have about $250,000 just to pay for medical expenses, not even including the, uh, the long-term care. The other issue for older Americans traditionally has been, for about a third of them, has been uh, these reverse mortgages, which are troubling to me because I don't know if you've seen the ads on TV, Jordan, but they get, you know, a well-known celebrity to go on air and talk about how a reverse mortgage is government-insured, and it makes it sound as if the homeowner has some kind of assurance from the government, but that's not the case. The government is insuring the bank in case you don't pay, uh, and that's a very expensive way to access equity. So for most folks, and we, we have a whole section on reverse mortgages in the book, but for most folks, reverse mortgages should really be a last resort. What do you see of the impact of Obamacare as it's being uh, kind of phased in here, as it's going to affect health insurance and health care costs? Well, you know, unfortunately, I think, and, you know, the two biggest problems I think the country has right now have to do with home ownership because, uh, if, if as a culture we don't really endorse that, I just don't know how average Americans are going to save because the fact is, you know, we're not disciplined enough to rent and put that money, invest it someplace else. Uh, so that really concerns me because if average Americans don't save, then when it comes time to, ret- to retire or medical emergencies, things like that, we're all going to end up having to foot that bill. 
The other biggie is the ability to make a living and, and wages because we know that for top earners, that's been going up, but we know for folks on the lower end of the scale, they're actually making, average workers are making less money now than they were a decade ago. Uh, and I see Obamacare as potentially having a really negative impact on that because one of the biggest challenges now, it used to be that companies would hire and make sure that they had plenty of staff for when uh, you know business boomed. Now we're into this more of a much more of a uh, last-minute hiring kind of mindset. So companies just aren't doing that. And I think Obamacare, you know, even though there are some some pros, it gives companies a huge incentive to focus on temporary uh, hiring to keep under that 50-person threshold, which is really unfortunate. Uh, but unless we can figure out a way for average Americans to retrain and earn a decent living, I mean, look, there are at least a dozen countries that now have more opportunity for upward mobility than we do. And we have about a minute to go. Just kind of briefly sum up how taking advantage of these new rules we talked about since the crash would make a difference in your life as opposed to not learning about these things and not taking advantage of these opportunities. Right. Well, the biggie is opportunities to save money, save money on your banking fees, save money on car loans, save money on your credit card fees, save money with a, a, a better credit score, but also uh, invest and make that home ownership decision in a wise way. I mean, let's face it, home ownership isn't for everyone. Some people are better off renting, so we give tools to help decide that. Uh, and then biggie on cutting some of your spending, uh, and I like to really talk about the the spending biggie. So if you are a homeowner, for example, how to petition to get your real estate taxes lower, how to lower your insurance costs, because those are two huge ones, and also new earning opportunities in the new economy, uh, and just being prepared, knowing how to knowing how to leverage these things. Also, avoiding a lot of the pitfalls that you that the rules are now supposed to protect you under. Look, we paid a lot of money to have these rules, and they're there to protect us. But if we don't know what they are, there's no way we can use them. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest has been Sherry Olofsson. Her new book is called Financial Fresh Start, Your Five-Step Plan for Adapting and Prospering in the New Economy. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Sherry. Thanks, Jordan. Take care. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.